There's only two chapters, so the sermon can't be for so long tonight. And uh, God has been so good to us in our church. I just look back at the beginning of the year. We owed um, $240,000, and now we're down $192,000 on the debt. And um, that wouldn't happen if obedience was not in the heart of Solid Rock Baptist Church. Obedience to many, obedience to a holy God who has put things on in place and has put things in your heart and you have obeyed those. And we're going to talk about that tonight in the book of Haggai. <coughs> Brother Zeke, will you please lead us in a word of prayer to begin this service? Yes, Lord. In the book of Haggai, we come to a very, very important book. It might be a small book, but it's very, very important. Many people, many preachers have said that the minor prophets really could be exchanged for the major prophets because they have such a major idea in them, even in just such a short book. So in the book of Haggai, we start out, it's the second year of Darius the king. And Darius was in power up until Cyrus became the king. And Haggai comes onto the stage, onto the platform of God's will and plan, right here in the very beginning of God's work has ceased. Cyrus gave a decree, and we'll look at that here in a minute, that opened up a special opportunity for God's people. And they took that decree and they ran with it and they began building the temple of God. God's people began to build back the church, the temple of God. And tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's take a look in Haggai chapter 1. And if you'll follow along there in the scripture. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, under Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, and high, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. Before we get into the passage, remember that Haggai was a prophet, and that he was given four messages in a small book, but this very, very important book, and Babylon had invaded in to God's people. And so that's where we're at. There was the destruction of Jerusalem and everything begins to happen. The temple construction then begins. Then Darius becomes the king of Persia. And then finally, Haggai and Zechariah begin their prophetic ministry. And Haggai is Zechariah's contemporary. And so here Haggai says this. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, verse 4, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. One of the first things that Haggai does is he rebukes the remnant that has come back. The people of God were scattered at this point, and a small remnant had been brought back by Ezra and Zerubbabel and one other gentleman. And in this whole passage of Scripture, you have to remember that this is a remnant of people who did decide to come back. But now, instead of doing the work of God, they built the foundation and the work of God ceased. And God comes on the scene with His prophet Haggai and He says, Why are you dwelling in your sealed houses? Is it time for you to stop and sit back and relax, enjoy the pleasures of this world? They were working on their own future instead of God's plan for the future. You see, they were trying to build their houses. They, they named them as sealed houses, and that word means covered or lined with plaster and thin boards. It would have been a very sophisticated modern building. And each one of these people in the remnant that come back came and they built their self a house. And this was a problem because they were going against this opposition of King Darius. They didn't really want them to go back to the temple. They didn't really want this to happen. But then Cyrus comes with a decree and he says, I will let you go back and build. And whenever they got the decree, they came back and they built the foundation. They did everything they could for the foundation. And then the work ceased. And they began working on their own houses. They began working on their own plans. They began working on their own agenda. And that's why Haggai is so upset with them. And this word of the Lord comes to him and he says, Consider your ways. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses in this house? God's house, the very church lie waste. I want to draw an automatic parallel to today. We see ourselves in America, the land of plenty, the home of the free because of the brave, beautiful country, a wonderful place to live, and we are in nothing but success and ease. There's no persecution for us tonight to join this body of believers in worshiping a holy God of heaven and earth. And yet, really, is the church being built? The whole theme of the book of Haggai is build the house. I want you to think back with me. We've been enjoying marriage, the very first month of marriage. And it's been amazing. Jenna wants me to hang up all these wonderful signs that we got from my reception. And it's the most amazing thing. And whenever I got into this study and I was talking to the Lord and we we're talking back and forth about Haggai, you know, I kind of got convicted. Because as I said when I stood up here, people have been so good to us. And we have been able to really enjoy this first month without any pressure. Um, 
There's been a situation where my car was needing work. God provided and moved in such a way I never thought he'd say it. In Janice's car, he needed tires. Moved in a way that I never thought that he would. And he provided for us and he took care of us. And as I'm hanging these pictures and we're doing these things to our house, I really got convicted about this because it says, you want to build your house. You want to build your future. You want everything in your life to be right. You want everything in your house to be perfect. But what are you doing to build my church? What are you doing to build my house? What are you doing to move forward with God? So Haggai rebukes this remnant because they've grown lazy. They've grown absolutely content doing just enough. They've, they've grown just, just content, just, just fine with just coming to church and sitting on a church pew and they're just Christians. They're, they're better than most because they're not scattered. But they're just Christians. And they're just sitting on the pew. And that's it. That's the extent of their Christian life. Is they show up on Sundays and Wednesdays. And they give the very God who died for them. Who loved them with all of His heart. Who gave everything, even His only begotten Son. That they might not perish, but have eternal life. And here in the book of Haggai, I want to draw a direct parallel to us. We are just like this remnant. And I believe we have one of the greatest churches in America because you're here tonight on a Sunday night. That's wonderful. Don't stop coming. I'm not saying being faithful to the house of God is a bad thing. I'm saying it's not enough. I'm saying the book of Haggai shows us and convicts us that then came the word of the Lord. This was not Haggai talking. This was not Elijah talking. This was the word of the Lord. And he says, why... Is it time, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He rebukes them, but then he gives a remedy for the remnant. Listen to this. Consider your ways. Go up, on, go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build the house. He said, I have opened up this door. In Ezra chapter 5, you can go and read it for yourself. It says that Cyrus became king. Tell you what, turn there. Let's turn to Ezra chapter 5. Ezra chapter 5 is, an, is, a very, this is a very interesting book. It has so much history in it and about the remnant and about God, the people of God. And it says this in Ezra chapter 5. At the very end, verse 17. Now therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be search made in the king's treasure house. Where is there at Babylon, whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem? And let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls, where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Achma a palace that is in the province of Medes. A roll in there was a record therein. In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same... The king, the same Cyrus, the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded. See, when Darius came on to the scene, Cyrus had previously been the king. I mixed up my words earlier. Cyrus was the king first, and he had given them a right to come and to build the house of the Lord. So when Darius, the king, made a decree, he could not erase what the king before him had said. He said, go and make sure. Go and make sure that's what he said. And God used a worldly king to open up an eternal door for them to build and for them to work. I couldn't help but think back to COVID. 
whenever all those pastors went up to the Supreme Court of North Carolina and they said, why are we not allowed to have services? It's unconstitutional. It's not right. Because not only should we have freedom of speech, but we are to have freedom of religion. That was what the whole basis of America was founded upon. Was that so rights and unalienable rights would not be infringed upon by others who do not believe the same. And everybody that comes, whether they be a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, it does not matter. They can worship freely and openly in this place that we call home, America. I could not help but think about that. God used the Supreme Court, a worldly system, to give us opportunity to come back into the building and to worship God. That's exactly what happened here. King Cyrus, I made a decree several years before this, before King Darius had ever come on the scene, that said, ye may build the house. The house of God can be resurrected and re-erected from the dead. It can be rebuilt. And I'm even going to give you a pass to go ahead and leave. Babylon had, cap had captivated them. They were their slaves. And he said, I'm going to let the remnant go. And he did. And there was three waves of remnants that went. And here Haggai's rebuking the remnant. And he gives a remedy. He says, go and do what I've given you the opportunity to do. You are God's people. You have divine power from me. You've been given a divine opportunity. And I want you to go and build Go, take wood and build. I love when the Bible is just clear. It says that. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified. Not because of them building a building. But because eventually that temple would be greater than Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was... There's no words to describe it. The Bible talks about how precious it is and how much gold. And if you translate it into today's, it would be billions. And that is not an exaggeration of dollars. To recreate that. To have the gold and the silver and the precious stones. And even the walls and the floors and the ceilings. You can imagine walking into something 30 times as great as the Taj Mahal. It was... The church of churches. It was the temple of God. Solomon's temple. And now he's saying that this one that they're going to build with some wood is going to be greater. He says, I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Later on, the very Lord Jesus Christ would walk through the doors of that very temple. And His Son would be in... God's Son, the very God of heaven and earth, would be in that temple. And it says that... Give me just one moment. Sorry, I lost my place. Go up in the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it. I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You see, there was all these things moving and working and God knew what the end result would be. And so He says, if you will just obey Me, if you will just move forward with what I've told you to move forward with, if you will just continue the path that I have set you on, please consider your ways. Not only do I see that, but I see the connection between their behavior and the weather. Not only should they consider their ways, but here's the connection. Thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, 
go up to the mountain. Verse 9 says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Said the Lord, was because mine of mine house that is waste. And you run every man into his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. He caused the people of God to suffer because they were not in obedience to what God was trying to do. He caused the ground to dry up. He caused there to be no rain. The heavens were stayed. And he said, I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to give you more help. I'm not going to give you any more aid until you stop what you're doing and realize, consider your ways. It says that twice. We're getting somewhere. Just keep following me here. We see a response of the remnant. Now we have the sowing the seed Saturday. Can anybody, does anybody have a bulletin in their hand or in their pew? Anybody have one? No, I know. I was just saying if anybody have one that they could read. Brother Josh, what is the verse underneath sowing the seed Saturday? Is the seed yet in the barn? And that connects, and it's from where, Brother Josh? Haggai 2.19. So at the end... Of all this, there's a response that the remnant has to have. In chapter 1 we see it. Go to verse 12 with me. Then Zerubbabel, the leader, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger, and to the Lord's message under the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Their obedience had moved them from being against God to now God is being for them. He says, I'm with you. I'm for you. You're obeying my voice. You're moving forward. And then Haggai says something very, very interesting. Brother Josh just read it for us in verse 19. Let's start verse 18. Consider now from this day and upward from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, Consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? He's not talking about seed. He's not talking about a barn. He's not talking about any of that. He is talking about is there work to still be done? The seed can represent the Word of God and it's still in the barn. And that's why with this sowing the seed Saturday, we need to move from our busy life of working to please ourselves to pat our bank account, to do the things that selfish, carnal Christians would be lean to do. We need to give every bit of that up. He says he's rebuking the remnant. Is it time for you to dwell in certain houses? Are there still people dying and going to hell today? Have you ever thought that Jesus Christ, if he died for each and every man, and a boy and woman, girl, every single person on this planet, how many people have died and went to hell with their sins already paid for? But they've never accepted Jesus. So it was never put on their account. And any time that the planet still has lost people on it, there is seed still in the barn. The Bible talks about many, many times, he tells the disciples, go ye and teach and preach the gospel of God. He talks about that so many times. And here, we see the exact same thing. He promises power and presence and possessions 
and peace in the future. But I fear that we will never see it. And that's why the sowing the seed Saturday is so important. Because the seed does not need to stay in the barn. This word needs to go out as quick and as powerful and its two-edgedness needs to go and it needs to cut each and every soul that we touch. And please, I pray that every one of us as we go out with packets, it might be ten packets, but don't look at the doors as just doors. Look at them as families. Don't look at the packets as just, oh, we paid about a dollar and a half for that. Why are we hanging on a door to get wet and get it rained on? The gospel is now entering into that home. And no longer is it in the barn, but now it is planted. And if that seed is planted, it will grow and it will blossom and it will turn into something else. And what if because you hung a packet, somebody came, they heard the gospel, they were saved, their family started going here. And as their family got here, each one by one, daddy, mama, brother, sister, they all become blood-washed, born-again saints of God. All because of just an obedient heart to God that said, I'm not going to let this house lie waste. I'm going to do everything I can for the cause of Christ to build His church we're not building a physical temple. We're not building a kingdom here on earth. But we're trying to get everybody that we can to join us in heaven. And the only way that we can do that is if the seed will ever exit the barn into a farmer's hand that is willing to go and to sow the seed and to put it forward and to let it go forward for the gospel's sake, for Jesus Christ's sake, because He has saved you and He loves you and somebody gave you the gospel you wouldn't be here tonight. Or maybe God has given you so much blessing to bring you and you still haven't accepted. But what if tonight you could? The Bible says that is the seed yet in the barn. I talked about it Wednesday night with Jonathan. I had him come up here and I said he became a saved, born again Christian as long as he's believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do hope you have. And the Lord Jesus, once the Lord Jesus Christ comes in and saves us, that he, you, Jonathan was now a witness of what God has done within himself. So now he can be a witness. The noun turns into a verb. That's the order it must go in. And the seed can never leave the barn if we never leave the house of God and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Saturday is more than just you coming and praying. More than just you coming and visiting. More than just you coming and watching the children. It is allowing the parents and the grandparents and the, and the children and the men and the women the opportunity to possibly have a divine encounter with somebody that God will come down and then as you hand that packet off, literally the power of God is now entering that home and the seed has left the barn. The house is now being built and that's what I want. I know it's a short thought. I know that it's a small thing. But what if each and every person in here decided in their heart they would give out one track today? Ushers, how many people were here tonight? Does anybody know? Do you know how many people were here tonight, Jay? you know how many? Probably about 80 or 90. That's what we normally have on a Sunday night. 80 tracks would go out on Monday morning. 80 people 
their lives touched with the gospel. 80 opportunities for someone to say yes to Christ. My question is, are we brave enough? Are we courageous enough to actually take the seed and go and sow it? Because it is not time for us to sit in pleasure in our sealed houses. It is not time for any of that. It is time for the gospel to go forward. And God promises His power, His presence, His peace in it. You can read chapter 2 for yourself. In the book of Haggai, I don't want the seed to still be in Solid Rock Baptist Church. This week, before sowing the seed Saturday, raise your hand if you would be willing to take one track. I don't want you to take the whole rack. I don't want you to take ten of them. I want you to take one. Miss Dolores back there, she probably takes more tracks than any of us, and it's a shame. She'll grab 30 of them and then she'll come out and grab another 30. And I'll have to go and refill the track rack. You know why? Because Miss Dolores has been back there passing them tracks out and being a saint of God and giving the gospel and giving the opportunity to those who need it. Who will take one track? Who will take the seed out of the barn back there this week and will move the work of God forward? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, and stay seated. I wonder, just a raise of a hand, how many people be willing to go by and get one track and take it and give it out before sowing the seed Saturday? Raise your hands. Just one. It doesn't have to be five. It doesn't have to be ten. It doesn't have to be the whole rack. I just need you to hand out one. Be honest. If you don't, don't raise your hand. Thank you. You can put them down. God has been so good to us and has given the gospel. You can look back up. God has been so good in giving us the gospel. We deserve it to give it back to Him. We deserve it to give it to someone else from faith to faith.